Good evening. I'm excited to be here. I'm looking forward to the opportunity we have in about a month uh, to begin the Fishers of Men evangelism training course uh, together. I'm excited about that. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and here tonight to be able to uh, give a preview about what this course is all about, what you can expect. Uh, and if some of you are on the fence about whether or not you want to do it, hopefully we can help you make the decision. And hopefully it's a decision to do it and not to back out or something like that. Um, but we're certainly thankful for the opportunity to be here. Glad to have the invitation to be here tonight and to have the invitation to come and be a part of the, in, uh, the Fishers of Men uh, training uh, series and, and starting in about, uh, about one month. Take a minute to tell you a little bit about myself, my, my family, who we are, what we do. Um, I'm Tim Wilkes II. Uh, some of you, I know at least a couple of you, know my father, um, Tim Wilkes Sr. And uh, Dad is the director of Fishers of Men. I'm one of the full-time instructors uh, with the ministry. My wife's name is Rachel, and we have three children. Uh, my son is the oldest. His name is Titus. Then we have two daughters, Abigail uh, and Lily. Uh, now, we'll mention why we named our son Titus, because, um, you know, that's, that's a name we're all familiar with. However, it's not a name that we normally use for our children and, and so on and so forth. Um, but as I mentioned, my father, who's a preacher and director of the Fisher's Men Ministry, his name is Timothy. I'm Timothy II, so if you've got First and Second Timothy, what naturally comes next? Well, that's why we named our son Titus. And... Uh, of course, the, the question that always comes is, what about Philemon? Well, that's up to Titus and his future wife. See, it's a generational thing. It's my father, then me, then my son. So if there's a Philemon, that's up to Titus and his future wife. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but anyway, I'm glad to be here tonight. My family uh, is not able to come with me. They travel with me uh, some of the time, but they're not able to go with me uh, everywhere all the time. But I'm thankful for those opportunities they can. Uh, but unfortunately, this was not one of them. But they are planning to come with me at least a couple of times throughout the 12-week Fishers of Men class. Uh, so if you're a part of that, uh, you can meet them, uh, meet them then. What I think I'm going to do and what I'd like to do is take you a few minutes to tell you about both ministries that we work with. As you can see on the screen, uh, we work with a ministry called Netcasters in addition to our work with Fishers of Men. So I'll take just a few minutes to tell you what Netcasters in is and what we do, and that'll give you a better idea of who we are. And then we'll center in on Fishers of Men and what we're going to be doing uh, together uh, beginning at the end of August. Uh, so our, net, our Netcasters work is what we call our overseas work. Uh, so I'll go with you very quickly, hopefully very quickly, and move some of the... Uh, some of the overseas campaigns we've been on. Going back to the end of last year, um, I was working in the Philippines, uh, in, uh, in Pangasinan, that's a province in the Philippines, uh, able to take my family with me. Uh, there's a picture of my family, and Dad was with me on this campaign uh, as well. As we, uh, first thing we did when we got there, we uh, stopped at the Commonwealth Congregation, which is right outside Manila, worshiped with the congregation there, and the preacher there is a friend of mine who, uh, who graduated from Memphis School of Preaching back in 2002 and then returned to the Philippines, and uh, soon after that, Commonwealth uh, was started. But then we went up north to Pangasinan and worked with, you see the initials there, ACU and CHC, that's Asian Christian University and Christ's Happy Child Haven. Uh, there's a university and a, and a children's home on the same campus. Uh, Dad and I taught uh, at the university. Uh, there are pictures of us teaching there. And my wife was busy every day working with the children at the children's home, teaching classes uh, and, uh, and so forth. 
Uh, and of course, had to get pictures of my children in there. You know, it thrills my soul to be able to take my family and my children overseas and see them interacting with the Filipino children uh, and, and so forth. So I had to throw some pictures of them. Uh, and there they are outside after class. They're playing Duck, Duck, Goose and so forth. Uh, and other pictures of them playing with the, uh, the Filipino children as well. Uh, one last picture I've got coming up of my children there. Uh, they're with, uh, with the Jolly Bee there. Now, I don't, you may not know a whole lot about fast food in the Philippines. Uh, not many people do unless you go there. Um, but uh, uh, the place called Jolly Bee is equivalent to McDonald's, essentially, here in the States. Uh, and when my family, my children have been with me several times to the Philippines, and I told them I was going to take them again this, this time, my daughter, my middle child, Abigail, she said, well, can we go to Jolly Bee, Daddy? And I said, yes, baby, I will take you to Jolly Bee. So there we are. They're posing with the Jolly Bee at, uh, at that restaurant. Now, fast forward. We're in India. I'm going to try to move quickly just to give you an idea of what we do. I'm in India. Uh, in January of this year, a place called Skinner's Garden. They, uh, it's a wonderful place called Skinner's Garden. They've got a, a preaching ho- a school, a children's home, uh, orphanage, uh, a widow's home, a tailoring school for young ladies, doing just a great work uh, there at Skinner's Garden. Had a group of six Americans with me on this campaign, including my mother. Uh, and there, some of the main Indian brethren that we work with are also pictured here. Uh, every night we're having gospel meetings. We close out the day. Uh, well, actually, it's not even daytime when we do these gospel meetings. It's bedtime for most of us when we do these gospel meetings. It's uh, one of the cultural things. When we're in India, we, we will start a gospel meeting, not finish. We will start a gospel meeting at 9, 10, or later uh, sometimes and finish up maybe midnight or so. Uh, it's one of the cultural things that you have to get used to. Then you sweet, sleep quick and do it again the next day. Because during the day, uh, we're teaching in the, the preaching schools. Um, there I am. I think I'm teaching exegesis class on that occasion. Uh, but while I'm doing that, the ladies that I brought with me are teaching ladies classes. All the ladies on campus there at Skinner's Garden and have visitors from all around the area coming. Had a great turnout for that as well. Then we had a big youth rally. Over 400 people in attendance at the youth rally. We broke them up into four groups and the ladies are teaching the younger classes and uh, uh, the men are teaching the, the teens and the, the adults and so on and so forth, of course. Um, now, fast forward again. I'm, it's May. I'm in Kenya. Um, and in a preaching school, a friend of mine started a preaching school there last January, January 16, asked me to come and help them uh, with this, uh, this school, so I'm uh, glad to be able to do that. Uh, you see the name of the city there is Kissy, and the school is called GPS, that's Goosey Preaching School. Kind of funny sounding names there. Um, but uh, the city is Kissy, uh, the region that it's in is called Gooseyland, so it's Goosey Preaching School, or GPS uh, for short. Uh, there. And we got, uh, there's a picture of a student body along with me, along with the principal uh, as well. And we all, on the same trip, we also had a, a campaign, did some uh, open air gospel meetings and so forth. And there, uh, there's uh, uh, some preaching going on there. Now, that's an idea of what we do overseas, real quick. I could have said a whole lot more about that, but I, I wanted to get to Fishers of Men. Uh, because that's what we're going to be doing uh, together. Fishers of Men, what is it? Well, fish to, to uh, summarize here quickly, Fishers of Men is a 12-week training course in person-to-person evangelism. 12-week training course. This is not an evangelism seminar. I have nothing, don't listen, I don't have anything against evangelism seminars, but don't come to Fishers of Men thinking that's what this is. This is that's not what it is. It's a training course, a hands-on how-to training course. Uh, For 12 weeks, we'll meet once a week. 
Um, and then for 11 weeks, we'll meet once a week. And then our 12th gathering will be graduation. Uh, something to look forward to at the end. We'll have a, a kind of a celebration, a graduation, uh, acknowledging those who, uh, who completed the course together. So we meet once a week, uh, but you also see on the screen there, hopefully you can see on the screen, daily homework. Homework? Daily homework? Somebody says, I haven't done homework in years. Decades even. Okay, well it's time to get started again. Uh, and brethren, I, it, I don't, and it says approximately an hour a day, that's on average. If, you, uh, if you're a quick reader and you can find the scriptures quickly and read them quickly, and there will be a lot of scriptures in your homework. If so, if you can do that quickly, maybe you can do it faster than an hour. Um, if you're a little bit slower reader, maybe take a little bit longer uh, finding the scriptures, plan on a little bit longer. Uh, an hour is about average. Okay? Um, that sounds like a lot of work. And brethren, it is. It is. Um, but I make, I'm going to make you a promise. If you do this, you will not regret doing this. If you study God's Word for an hour a day, brethren, I promise you, you're not going to come to me later. I say, I wish I hadn't done all that Bible study, Tim. I've never had anybody say that to me. If you do it, it'll be worth it. Yeah, is it going to take your time? Yes. Is it going to take commitment and dedication? Yes. But we are talking about the most important work that you could ever do with your life, brethren. We are talking about, number one, digging into God's Word and making sure you know the truth and your life is right with God. And then number two, we're going to be dealing with matters of how can you reach out to other people more effectively and have more confidence in doing that. Have a method, a plan on how you can do that and be more effective uh, in reaching out to others. Yes, it takes work. It takes commitment. It's going to take your time and energy. But you can do it. Can you do it with a full-time job? Absolutely. People do it all the time with a full-time job. And somehow, make time to do it. Real quick, I was teaching a class in Missouri. And uh, it was day one, orientation day. One of the elders and his wife came into class. Uh, and, uh, and they said, we're not sure we can do this, Tim. And... Uh, the man, his name was Tim also, he said, uh, uh, he said, you know, I've got a full-time job. Then after work, I'm doing this. I've, I'm, I'm, I'm busy. I've got things I'm doing. And, uh, and, and then his wife, she was, her name was Sue. And she said, you know, it wasn't so much a time issue with her, but she was scared to death, brethren. Anybody relate to that? Scared and nervous about approaching other people? She was scared. And she was doubting herself, I don't think I can do this. Thankfully, both of them decided, let's give it a try. Brethren, you'd be amazed at what they ended up doing. This man, this brother in Christ, this elder in the church, who did not have time to take the course, was every week coming back and reporting on three and four Bible studies he conducted the previous week. And his wife, the one who was scared to death and could not do it, she was doing the exact same thing in addition to the studies he was at, not just accompanying him. It's great when husbands and wife do it together. That's fantastic. But in addition to accompanying him and helping him, she was setting up and conducting three or four more Bible studies on her own. Can we do it? Absolutely we can. Can we find the time? Can we 
more accurately, and I just find the time, can we make the time to be workers for the Lord and overcome that fear and develop confidence that we can be soul winners, workers for Jesus Christ? Daily homework, approximately an hour. Yes, it's going to take time, but we can do it. We can do it. And we stood, the students are grounded in God's truth, uh, both through the homework and through the class, uh, class time. We uh, teach methods of reaching and teaching lost souls. We're going to give you in this class a method that you can use, a technique, a plan that you can use to be more effective in reaching out to other people with the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, let's get uh, talk about who this class is for. You know, it's, it's great for, uh, for preachers. It's great for elders. It's great for people who have a lot of experience. It's great for people who have training, formal training. It's great for those people. But you know what, brethren? It's not made for those people. This course is not made for those people. It's great for them. Yeah, absolutely. This course is not designed for those individuals. It is geared for or designed for the typical member of the church that has little or even no experience in teaching the gospel or little or no training in teaching and so forth. Now, who does that describe? That's probably most everybody here who doesn't have a whole lot of experience in it, doesn't have a whole lot of training in it, if any. It's designed for you, brethren. Yes, it's designed for, for preachers and those who have gone through school and training. It's great, and it's, it's great for people who have experienced already, yes. But it's designed for those people who are struck in the heart with fear at the very thought of approaching somebody. Anybody relate to that? It's designed for you, brethren. It's designed to help you develop a working a better working knowledge of God's Word so that you can reach out to other people with it. It's designed to give you a plan, a method that you can use to reach out to your friends, to your family members, to your co-workers, to your neighbors, whoever it may be. It's designed uh, for you. So I hope that you'll give us the opportunity to help you in that. All right, let's talk about some of the topics that we cover in the, in the Fishers of Men uh, class. First of all, and this is not a, a uh, exhaustive list of the topics we cover, but here's a basic summary. Okay, uh, we talk about discovering and developing a person's interest in a home Bible study. How often is it said, "Well, he's just not interested. He just doesn't want to study God's word. He doesn't doesn't want to know what God has to say." Okay, how can we? Help him to be interested. How can we develop his interest? Because, you know, he, we, know, we know that he ought to be interested. We're talking about his soul. We're talking about eternity. We're talking about heaven or hell. He ought to be interested. How can we develop his interest? And... Uh, one of the ways that we do that is with questions. Getting his mind working. Making him think. Making people realize, maybe I don't know everything. Maybe I don't know what God has said about this. And making them want to learn. 
developing the, their interest. Uh, we talk about how to assess the heart condition of prospects. In the class, we call this using our evangelistic perception, assessing the heart condition, uh, getting an idea, learning to, to listen to what people are saying and really understanding what people are saying about their heart condition and what kind of soil they may be. We may have been talking to somebody uh, for years and without even realizing, they've been screaming at us, without actually screaming at us, they've been screaming at us that they're bad soil, we need to move on to somebody else. Maybe come back and try them again later, but for now, move on to somebody else because right now, they're bad soil. Maybe they've been screaming that to us, but we didn't know what they were saying. Or maybe we've crossed paths with this individual and they've, we've had conversations with them and they've been screaming without screaming that they're good soil. Study with me. Reach out to me with the gospel. But we didn't realize what they were saying. In this class, we learn how to assess a person's heart condition, use our evangelistic perception to get an idea of what kind of soil, what kind of heart they have. Uh, it's very important. Uh, to reaching out to people with the gospel. We talk about how and where, and I'll add when, to get a definite appointment for a home Bible study. That's one of the big hurdles we've got to get past, isn't it? Sometimes we think, if he would just sit down with me, or with a preacher or whoever, right? If he would just sit down and study with us. Okay, how do we get that appointment? Again, in the course... We'll give you a, a plan, a method that you can use to be more effective uh, in getting those appointments and get a higher percentage of yeses. On the, is it going to be perfect? No, it's not. Are you going to convert every single person you talk to or even every single person you study with? No, you're not. Not even Jesus did that, brethren. But can we increase our ability? Absolutely we can. And by the way, one of the ways, or the main way, in fact, that we increase our ability is by modeling the way we talk to people after the way Jesus talked to people. He's the master teacher. Why not learn from him and how he interacted with people in different situations, in different scenarios, to people of different backgrounds, and learn how he used questions and made them think and helped them to understand for themselves. That's what we do in the class uh, uh, throughout the, the 12 weeks. Now, continuing, some more topics uh, that we cover. We talk about dealing with questions and objections that come up. When you're talking to somebody, when you're having a Bible study with somebody, and, uh, and questions come up or objections come up, how do you deal with that? that you know, that's one of the fears that we have, isn't it? What if he asked me something and I don't know the answer to it? That's one of the biggest fears that people have uh, when we talk about reaching out to somebody with the, with the gospel. Like I've done on these, the previous things that we, we've mentioned, just kind of give you an overview of what, about what we're going to do. This is what I'm going to do here as well. We're going to go over in the class. The five types of questions that you can expect to hear from somebody you're studying with. Any question, any religious question 
that they ask you in a Bible study, you can categorize it in one of five ways. There's only five types of questions that they can ask you. And, and guess how many of those you actually answer? Just one. You only answer one of those types of questions. You think that'll help us with our fear of questions? It should. It should. Now, you have to respond to all of them, uh, all of the questions, and we're going to give you in the class a way, a method to respond, a technique to use, but actually you only answer one of those types of questions. Now, I don't have time to go into all the types of questions, and, and I'll, I can do that tonight, so I have to take the course. We'll go through that uh, systematically and hopefully in a way that can help you really get a grasp of it. And we'll practice it uh, and, uh, and so forth. But there's only five types of questions that a person can ask you that can help us with our fear of questions and even objections. And we'll talk more about objections in the class as well and how to respond to that and, 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 uh, and how, they, uh, how they come up and, and what to do and so forth. But we'll talk about those questions and how to respond. And just, by the way, just as importantly as how to respond, how not to respond, what not to say. One of the, the biggest mistakes I think brethren make when, when, with good intentions and trying to reach out to people uh, is that we jump to some questions too soon without the proper foundation being laid. Now, we're not trying to hide the truth from anybody. That's not my point. Don't misunderstand me. But we have to lay a foundation so a person can grasp the answer to certain questions. Um, that's one of the biggest mistakes, I think, uh, that we make in, uh, in when we're reaching out to somebody with the gospel. But we'll talk more about what, the, what I mean by that when we go through the class. Teaching effectively. Um, you ever had a teacher that... Uh, that maybe he knew the material, but he just wasn't a very good teacher. He just wasn't very good at, at getting the knowledge from his mind to your mind. I imagine at some point we had a teacher that had a problem with that in some way. We're going to talk in this class about a way that we can use, a teaching method that we can use that can help us to be more effective in helping people to learn for themselves. We call it the discovery learning. You know, I, I enjoy preaching. I preach a lot. Uh, however, a person's kitchen table is not the time to preach a sermon, brethren. There's a difference between preaching and teaching. And we'll talk about that in the class on how, how we can be more effective teachers. Help them to understand the truth for themselves. Not just rely on you as the teacher, but to see it for themselves. Develop their own faith so they can have confidence that they know the truth. Not just that they have a, a good teacher. No. Not that just they know somebody that's really smart in the Bible. No. I want them to know the truth for themselves what God has said, and have confidence, develop their own faith, teaching effectively, creating godly sorrow. We're going, to, we're going to talk in the class about ways that we can help a person to have godly sorrow. Wait a minute, Tim. Why, why would we make an emphasis 
on helping somebody and being sure they're having godly sorrow. Why is that so important? Well, think about it, brethren. What does godly sorrow lead to? 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 10. Godly sorrow leads to our works or brings repentance. What does repentance lead to? Same passage, 2 Corinthians 7 10. Repentance leads to salvation. You know what that means? If a person doesn't repent, he's not going to be saved. And if he doesn't have godly sorrow, he's not going to repent. So how important is godly sorrow? It's vital. We've got to understand the seriousness of sin. We've got to understand the seriousness of violating God's word and be sorrow and experience sorrow because of that. That I've done something that's against God. I've hurt God in this way or that way or whatever it was. We'll talk about ways that we can do that. We call them asking godly sorrow questions, trying to get a person's mind working on that, helping them to understand the seriousness of sin and what they've committed against God and move toward godly sorrow, which will bring repentance and then following, uh, following after salvation. Um, persuading scripturally. I kind of alluded to this a minute ago because teaching effectively is linked to persuading scripturally. Um, brethren, we need to be very careful when we're teaching someone that we're not converting somebody to us or to a congregation or anything like that. We need to teach and persuade scripturally. That means keeping them in the text. When somebody asks a question, I guess where we go? Back to the text. I never uh, want to give my thought on it or anything like that. What, what do you think Paul said right here? What did Jesus say about this? Go back to the text. Persuade scripturally. Sometimes people ask, Tim, what do you think about this? Guess what? My thought on it simply does not matter. What do you think about this? What's more important, what I think about it or what God has said about it? Persuading scripturally. Keeping the focus on the text. If we, if we fail to do that, brother, if we fail to keep the focus on the text, it becomes now, well, it's my opinion against your opinion. And that's not a Bible study anymore. We've got to persuade scripturally, keeping the focus uh, there on, uh, on the text. Give you a, an idea of uh, some of the classes uh, that I've had over the past year, going from August uh, to October. Of, of, see, I started last year, I started at the beginning of August. So we finished at the end of October. This time it'll be the very end of August. So we'll finish up in November, uh, the week before before Thanksgiving, uh, for the for this class. Um, but uh, I was teaching two classes uh, last fall: one in Washburn, Missouri, and one in Poto, Oklahoma. I had about fifty students combined between the two classes. And um, I'll go ahead and tell you: in in addition to the daily homework that we talked about earlier. There's also outside assignments to go and practice talking to people. Um, and then also there's another assignment. After, after some time of practicing just talking to people, there's another assignment. Remember I told you this is a how-to 
hands-on evangelism training course. Now, if I told you we're going to be doing a hands-on small engine repair class, what would you expect your hands to be like at some point in the class? You're going to get dirty. You're going to get greasy, right? Well, we're not doing small engine repair. We're doing hands-on evangelism training. What does that mean we're going to be doing? That means personal Bible studies, brethren. That means evangelism, personal evangelism. There's going to be an assignment. After we practice a little bit, practice bringing up the subject, practice approaching people, there's going to be an assignment that says, all right, now go and set up and conduct a home Bible study. And then the next week, do it again. And the next week, do it again. Now, anybody afraid of that? Does that make anybody nervous? It's okay. Guess what, brethren? That's normal. That is completely normal to be nervous about that. It is completely normal to be a little bit afraid or even a lot afraid about that. Okay? That's normal. Here's what's not normal, brethren. If you know that's what you should do as a Christian... It's not normal to allow that fear to stop you from doing it. That's not okay. It's okay to be nervous. It's okay to be afraid. But it's not okay to allow that fear to stop you from doing what you know you ought to do as a follower of Jesus Christ. Let us help you in this class overcome that fear. Give you a method that you can use to step out of that comfort zone. We get real comfortable, don't we? Let's together work and step out of the comfort zone and reach out to others with the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, back to what I was talking about. Over that period where we're actually setting up and conducting studies in the class with members, with with people outside the class, of course. Um, Over that period, uh, the students will come back to class and the next week and we'll talk about Bible studies that you've had. We call that giving our fishing reports. We talk about our Bible studies that we had the previous week. Now, over that period of time, where we're doing our fishing reports, talking about our Bible studies, uh, these classes reported on 347 Bible studies during the class. I'm not talking about what they've been doing since graduation last October. I'm talking about during the Fishers of Men class while I was going there every week and getting these reports. They reported on 347 Bible studies with 110 different people and had two baptisms during the class. That's just what happened by graduation. And I know the work continues. Every now and then I'll get a message, Bible studies that are going on, about another baptism, something like that, you know. These numbers are just what happened during the class. You know, in my class in Poto, um... One of the ladies that was taking the class, her name was Faye, and uh, she came up to me toward the end of the class, and we're getting close to graduation. She came up to me, and Faye, Miss Faye was, she was an experienced lady. She was a seasoned lady. She was the mother of one of the elders. She had some years on her, okay? She's been, she's seen some things. She said, uh, 
Uh, she said, I, you know, I've been here a long time. And I've, I, you know, I've seen us try to, to reach out to people, try to get some activity, some evangelistic activity in the community, trying to different outreach ways. She said, I've seen us try a lot of things. She said, but I've never seen this congregation so active in personal Bible studies. And she was excited. And I was excited, too. There was some great things going on. Uh, now, go, uh, go with me going into this, this year. From February to April, I was teaching three classes. One in Ripley, Mississippi. One in Coldwater, Mississippi, which is my home congregation. Got to teach in my home congregation this past spring. And then one in Greenwood, Arkansas. I had about 60 students between uh, these three classes. And again, during the time of reporting Bible studies, these three classes reported on 371 Bible studies with 139 different people and had four baptisms during the class. I stress this, brethren. That was during the class. That's not what's been going on since. There's been more Bible studies. Again, I get messages. Uh, more, bap- more baptisms, more Bible studies have been going on yet. Uh, but these numbers right here are just what happened during the class as I'm going back and getting the reports and I can get the numbers and then so on and so forth. Now, I'm going to circle one particular lady at the bottom right uh, picture there. This is my uh, Greenwood class. This lady that I circled, uh, no, or that's actually an oval, isn't it? But you get the idea. Um, but uh, this, her name is Anne. I want to give Anne, talk about Anne for a minute as an example. Because, brethren, I, I like to give personal examples of growth, development that can happen during this, cl- this, this course over 12 weeks. She, and Miss Ann came to class day one. It's orientation day. And now we're talking about what we're going to be doing, how we're going to approach things, and, you know, kind of like what we're doing tonight, but on a more detailed level, of course. Uh, and I gave them their first week's material. We're going through it. How do we use this? What do we do? And that sort of thing. Halfway through the course... And by the way, I don't know if I said it or not, but I think you already know, our each class period is two and a half hours. It goes by quickly, though, for me. And the students say it goes by quickly for them, too. But, uh, but in the middle of it, we take a break. And at the break, Anne, she comes up to me with her first week's material, and she hands it to me. She looks at me and she says, I can't do this. And she turned around and left. You know, that happens sometimes. Sometimes people don't understand the workload. Hopefully you do now because we're, we're talking about it. It's going to take your time and, and work. But uh, she said, I can't do this. And she turned around and left at, in the halfway through week one, halfway through orientation day. And, uh, and, but over the next couple of days, her classmates encouraged her. And why don't you just at least give it a try? Try it out for a week or two. Just give it a chance. I'm glad they did that. Because, you know, I left some material at the building just in case somebody wanted to uh, take the course that wasn't able to make it to day one. I left some material there and went back to the building, got another set of the first week's material, stayed caught up on her homework. That's one of the things she was worried about, being able to do the homework. She stayed caught up on the homework. If there's somebody out there who's worried about that and was scared about the homework, the daily homework, too. She did it, and she did well. Um, and, that, and she's also afraid of approaching somebody. You know, the assignment was given, okay, go, go practice. Bring up the subject. And we give you kind of a, a little script to use to get you started, help you practice approaching people. 
Uh, and Ann's scared. Guess what? She did it. She came back to the class the next week. She did her assignment. She practiced. She brought up the subject with her friend. Okay, after a little bit of time of doing that, now this, it's the next step now. We already talked about it. It's the next step. Time to go out and actually set up and conduct a Bible study. Guess how Ann's feeling? This lady who, who quit the class day one but decided, at, at, uh, because of her classmates encouraging her, decided, I'm going to give it a try. She is scared to go set up that. But guess what? She stepped out of her comfort zone. She used the technique that we used in class. We taught her in class. And she set up and conducted a home Bible study. Came back the next week and she's excited. And she reports on a Bible study that she conducted. Guess what? The next week she does it again. Brethren, but by graduation time, Anne was coming back to class every week and reporting on three Bible studies that she had the previous week. Now think about that. This lady, the sister in Christ, who quit the class day one because she, as her words, she could not do it, now was doing an hour's homework Bible study, personal Bible study with, on her own, doing homework every day, an hour, and also setting up and conducting three Bible studies every week with her family or friends, whoever it was. Can we grow? Absolutely we can. Can we develop our abilities? Absolutely we can. Can we improve? Absolutely. When we are committed to it, and we have a plan in front of us, and also when we get together and we're doing it as a team, we can accomplish great things. Think about that for a moment. When we're gathering together every week, to study God's Word and to develop our ability to reach out to others. What do you think is going to happen to us as brethren in Christ? We're going to grow closer together, aren't we? We're going to grow uh, together as it. We're doing this together for the cause of Christ. Build a camaraderie together. We're working together for the Lord. If you study the Bible every day, 12 weeks, what do you think is going to happen to you, your knowledge of God's Word. Think about that. How many of us, have, you don't have to raise your hand, how many of us have, have studied the Bible every week for three months? I mean, excuse me, every day for three months. For most of it, that probably hasn't happened yet. What do you think is going to happen? You're going to grow in your knowledge? You're going to grow closer to God? What an opportunity. Think about the opportunity that we have, brethren, to do this together, to grow closer to our God, to grow closer to one another, and to reach out to others with the only way of salvation, the gospel of Jesus Christ. What an opportunity we have in front of us. I hope that we'll be, all of us will be a part of it and, uh, and do, this, uh, do this together. Um, you may have questions, maybe something that I didn't say uh, tonight. I'm going to hang around for a little while. Please ask. Um, I want you to have your answers and know what to expect. I, can't, I cannot teach the whole course in the foyer tonight. Okay, I can't do that. 
Um, but if you have questions about what to expect and so forth and how things, I can try to give you a brief answer. But remember, it's a 12-week course. Uh, so I can't, I can't cover it all in this speaking this evening. Certainly can't do it in, in the four you're talking to you in just a little bit. Uh, but I am thankful for the opportunity to be here tonight and certainly thankful for the opportunity to be here and go through the Fishers of Men training course with you. Uh, let's be a part of it together. Uh, if you would open your Bibles to Mark 1. And verse, uh, verse 17. If you're going to take the Fisher's Men course, you need to know what Mark 1, 17 says. That's step one, right? <laughs> Mark 1, 17. Jesus is speaking. He says, come after me or follow me. I'll make you to become fishers of men. Now, I want you to think with me about this passage uh, for a moment. Follow me. Come after me. Who's speaking there? We just said it. Jesus is. Follow Jesus. Don't follow a man. Don't follow a man-made creed or anything of that nature. Follow Jesus and Him alone. And I will. Follow me. Or come after me. And I will. Now, brethren, when somebody says, I will, what is that? That's a promise. That's what that is. That's a promise. Now, sometimes we might break a promise. I'm guilty of that sometimes. Not, I don't intentionally make a promise and, and then intentionally not keep it. That's, that's a lie, pretty much, if I make a promise with no intention of keeping it. But sometimes I forget. Does that ever happen to y'all? No, y'all don't ever do that, do you? You're not like me. You never forget anything, right? Now, my wife will tell you that sometimes I forget things. Sometimes I tell Rachel, that's my wife, sometimes I tell her I'm going to do something, and then something, the phone rings or I get distracted in some way, and I forget what I promised Rachel I was going to do. That happens. You know, and sometimes, you know when I remember? Sometimes I remember my promise when I see her doing it. Ow, that hurts. And now I've got to apologize and try to make up for that and, and, and so on and so forth. Sometimes I forget. And sometimes situations arise that prevent me from fulfilling a promise that I made. Sometimes that happens. But you know what? When Jesus makes a promise, we can count on that. He's not a liar. He's not going to forget. The circumstances are not going to stop him. When he makes a promise, we can count on that. And what's the promise here? Follow me and I will make you. You follow Jesus Jesus says, follow me and you will change. There's going to be a change in your life if you follow me. Keep going. Follow me and, and, uh, and or come after me and I will make you to become. Think about that terminology. You're not just going to change, but that change is going to be a, a process, a growth process in your life. It may not be automatic. It's immediate when you begin following Jesus. But you'll have a growth process to change. To become, to become something what? Fishers of men. What is a fisher of men, brethren? That's a soul winner. That's what that is. Follow me. Follow Jesus, and he promises you'll be a soul winner. Think about this. What was the main purpose uh, for Jesus coming to this earth? To seek and to save that which is lost. If that was the main purpose of Jesus coming to this earth, if we're going to be followers of His, won't that be our goal too? 
to seek and to save that which is lost, to make sure, number one, that our soul is saved, and number two, reach out to other people who need the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. If that was Jesus' goal and we're following Him, won't that be our goal? I want you to think about something that I find to be very sobering, brethren. If we go through life and we never make real genuine effort to win a soul for Jesus Christ, are we really following Him? I think the answer to that is obvious, but it's a sobering thought. Are we true followers of Jesus Christ? Is His goal for coming to this earth our goal in living on this earth? Are we seeking to save souls? Are we allowing ourselves to go through that growth process to become soul winners? Let's make a commitment to do that. Now, am I saying you've got to go through fishers of men to follow Jesus? That's not my point. That's not my point. Don't misunderstand me. But let's allow ourselves to go through that growth process. Fishers of men is a great tool to go through that growth process. Not the only way. Don't think I'm saying that. But it's a great tool to go through that growth process to become a soul winner for Jesus Christ. You know, before we can become soul winners, we've got to take that step, though, and begin the process of following Jesus. About as we close out, the Bible is very clear on, on how to become a follower of Jesus, how to become a Christian. We've got to have faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews 11, verse 6. We've got to repent of our sins. Acts 17, verse 30. Make those changes in our lives. Submit my will to God's will. That's repentance. We've got to confess our faith that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. And then we can have a wonderful privilege, the privilege of being buried in water, buried into Christ, into His death, baptized into His death, to rise and walk in newness of life, Romans 6, verses 3 and 4. There may be someone here who has not begun that journey of following Christ, never been immersed in water for the remission of sins into the, into the body, into the death of Christ, and, and become a member of His body. Why not change that? Perhaps there's someone here who has already done that, but has lost sight of what it means to follow Christ. You've drifted away. Why not come back, begin walking in the light once again, 1 John 1, verse 7. That's the only place where the blood of Christ will continually cleanse you. You're walking in the light. Or perhaps there's someone here who simply is struggling with some problem in life. It needs, it needs your brethren to pray for you. It needs a shoulder to lean on. Whatever your needs are, don't delay. Why don't you come now as we stand and sing this song? Good day.